welcome to Flex Forward, a new Colliers podcast series. Through discussions with industry leaders, this series will include short episodes that look at some of the emerging trends and current insights around the flexible workspace industry. In our first episode, my colleague Will Birchfield, VP, Head of Flexible Workspace Consulting in the Americas, has an insightful discussion with Mike King, Senior Director of WeWork. They discuss how organizations are integrating flexible workspace into their wider real estate strategies. So with that, let's turn to Will and Mike. All right, everybody. Will Birchfield with Colliers here. I have my good friend, Mike King from WeWork on the podcast today. Thanks for being on the podcast today, Mike. We're excited to have you. Thanks very much um, for having me. Very excited for the conversation today. What exactly is your role at WeWork and like sort of your history and background, I guess, in the business to date? Yeah, sure. Um, my role today is is around business development. So trying to um, identify the businesses that we really want to be engaging with that have the right characteristics that we think would make them um, great clients of ours, uh, as well as working with the kind of influential groups that we think we can work with to just scale out the relationships that we think um, will make the most sense for WeWork. So that might be brokers in, in a lot of instances, but it's also PE groups and uh, and VC groups as well that we think we can really help you know at a greater scale than we are today. So that that's my job today in uh, in business development. But I started at WeWork about four years ago, just in our account sales team or enterprise sales team, and then my role has kind of evolved a little bit over the years since then. So I think the opportunity was always there, and I think the people that joined the business at any point in time all believed that there that there was a long term opportunity for. Uh, we work and other flexible providers in the market, uh, and that that's never really changed. I think that there was a period where we were trying to do a lot as a business. We were very ambitious. We had a lot of money to kind of fuel that growth, and we and we took that on. And it was very exciting at the time to to work there. You know, occupiers taking on more space or renewing or things like that. So we were in a very similar environment. So we we, we like to think that we um, if anything, have become more and more and more embedded in the real estate industry than we once were. Talking about, you know, hybrid work today and, you know, a new normal and all these fancy buzzwords, you know, how how has WeWork itself sort of viewed your work policies and, and how your employee base at WeWork is conducting their day-to-day? You know, you're a new dad. You've got a young guy at home. Uh, you live in New York in an apartment. What like what is that like? Like, how are you managing that? Are you going in the office at all? Are you sort of staying at home? Are you popping in and out of other WeWork locations? Have you found a good balance? What's that been like? Yeah, I think it's. I think that we're really similar to the brokerage community and the landlord community. I know that like Brookfield is an example of had their office, their employees back for a long time, and on, and a lot of the brokerages have had their employees back in the office for a long period of time. And we've been really similar. I think like a lot of people out there, certainly not everyone. I love being in the office the majority of the week. I think my productivity is certainly improved, but more than anything, I just like seeing my friends in the office. Um, and I think, you know, having a bit of banter in the office with some of your colleagues, one, is just more enjoyable, but two, it's where you really learn what's happening um, in the business. We're in an industry um, and we're at a, at a period in time where things are changing so unbelievably quickly that it's important to be able to gather as much information as you possibly can. And it's just, I think, I find it impossible to do from from my apartment, partly due to my own productivity and partly due to my uh, my son, who uh, <laughs> certainly likes to make a racket. But, um, yeah. Yeah, and, no, then there I, uh... 
And then I think I they're a, like, oh, sorry, I'll let you on. No, no, no. I have, a, I, have well. a, I have a six month old at home, too. So I understand the perils uh, of trying to get things done when there are screaming babies in the background and dogs barking and fighting for Wi-Fi. So uh, you yeah. are not you are not alone in that regard, my friend. Yeah, I know. I know. It's funny. I guess the benefit of being a, a WeWork employee in a city like New York, um, particularly when you're on the kind of leasing side of things, when you're running tours and things like that, is that you really do have a touchdown spot anywhere at any point in time, regardless of where you're going. So if you're going to a client meeting or you're going to an asset tour, um, you can really map out your day around that and go to a WeWork nearby to to utilize a space to just save travel time. So um, no more stopping down in Starbucks or anything like that. So I think that's certainly a useful, useful asset for us WeWork employees in the city. How do you think the enterprise demand has kind of changed, like maybe pre-pandemic to, you know, today, if you will? And mm-hmm. like, how, how long do you think this appetite for flex space from these larger occupiers and high growth companies, you know, will last? Yeah, sure. So the first part of the question, how has it changed? I think there's a few things. I, I wish that there was a really concise answer, but every business is really unique. Their challenges are unique. The way that they view the solutions to their unique challenges is very different. But I think that there are some commonalities. I think the the first one is just having the need for real estate. If you're a high-growth company that's been growing a lot over the last two years and you were successful in kind of reducing your space early on in the pandemic, there is just a need for real estate space, just a fundamental need. So that's certainly different. That's certainly unique. There are a number of businesses that have raised, you know, astronomical amounts of money that have done a huge amount of hiring that have never had an office or they did have an office and they got rid of it. So that need for space is always, sorry, is there now. I guess the things that are slightly different is, is people's view about what is conservative. I think historically when people thought about a conservative real estate transaction, they thought about a long term lease as the most conservative thing. I think that's flipped. I think conservative now is is having the ability to control your term length so you can start small and, and renew. Uh, it's having the ability to expand or contract or the ability to p- potentially pivot where your office might be located, potentially pivot how the office is used, what the design might be. So that's really where flexibility comes in and where, where we work and, and our peers really can position ourselves differently. So the things that businesses are doing are are doing a bit of testing, doing a bit of trial and error, seeing Mm -hmm. what works and what doesn't, and then using all the learnings in this period before they might make a longer-term decision at a future point in time. I think the third thing is speed. If you've hired a lot of people or you've had a lot of people working remote and your business revolves around either, you know, sourcing new clients or product development or sales or anything like that, the competition to for your business to kind of evolve and grow and uh, develop products, speed is just so essential. And so we're seeing a lot of clients come to us for speed. Um, They're saying, you know, based on the market dynamics, based on on the restrictions and and, uh, COVID challenges and things like that, they want an office that they can set up and running employees in the office working as quickly as they possibly can. Do you you have enough... Do you have enough inventory to fill that need right now in sort of your major markets when it comes to speed? Because I have to presume, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there's probably, you know, certain markets, you know, we can talk like a New York or a Miami or a high growth market like in Austin or something like that, 
where probably your most desirable locations are probably pretty full, correct? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, yes. Probably, and I know that there's clearly... Probably similar to other landlords as well, um, I, would, I would assume. Yes, and I mean, there's clearly a pipeline of space that you have, um, and continued expansion is is clearly part of the MO as, as WeWorks moving into its future plans. You know, I think this, the speed and efficiency with which large enterprises can get up and running, and again, to test and iterate, I think to your point, is spot on. And it's something that we at Collier's you know, speak about almost daily with our flex clients mm. is is clearly the only way to test and iterate and make meaningful decisions sometimes has to happen in a very short window. And if you don't have a space with which to pivot and change and to test and trial things, clearly things are going to fall to the wayside. And I think that's an interesting uh, tidbit that flex operators are able to sort of play with. Yeah. And I think that the, the most interesting thing I've found certainly this year that is only going one way as far as I see is that um, the decisions are not being made around free rent and TI and, you know, start date and those types of things. It is all about talent. Uh, It's about where do you source the best talent? How do you retain the talent that you have today? How do you uh, engage that talent? How do you make that talent uh, productive? And how do you use space and real estate as a way to do that? Um, that's, and that, that's, that's the thing that's really unique. To, uh, yeah, I mean, that is music to my colleague, Brett Swango's ears, who runs our data uh, labor analytics practice here in the U.S. He and I have been working hand in hand over the past few months, preaching that exact sentiment. And I think mm. sometimes it takes a second for it to land. But the idea around talent and providing them ultimately their best environment in order to do their best work. It is clearly something that has now taken more of a forefront than it has over the past X amount of years, five, 10 years. So that uh, that sentiment is heard loud and clear from the internal community here at Collier's and I'm sure other local brokerage shops as well. Yeah, um, and, and, and I appreciate it. It's, it's also challenging. In, in some ways, things are more challenging, but in some ways, I think that, that they're easier as well. I think there's an appreciation that every employee wants something that's slightly different that in some ways is challenging, but on the on the plus side is there are more solutions available today than there were five, 10 years ago um, to solve for that. That's an interesting point. And it, it sort of lends, lends itself to the current um, hot topic that we again here at Collier's are, are circling the wagons on almost daily with our large occupiers and smaller, smaller occupiers, but this notion of a third workplace or an on-demand type service, right? Where you can drop in and you can give passes to certain employees who are doing certain types of work and certain geos, and they can drop into an on-demand network of space as they see fit that they think will benefit them the most in the long run, given work productivity, environment, et cetera, whatever it may be, uh, a reduction in commute time, however you want to view it. This notion of on-demand space and the data and the utilization metrics that companies like WeWork are able to provide, I think this is a huge, a huge avenue that is still in its infancy. And I, I've just read a ton lately and seen also a lot of press releases, also from not only from WeWork but some of your peers. You know, around you saw Slack just recently announced that they have sort of adopted an all-access pass for their employees in New York City and productivity mm-hmm. through the roof, et cetera. I'm sort of curious to hear your take on sort of these large enterprises desire for this type of solution and 
maybe where you see this iterating in the future and, and what its, tr- its traditional use case is? Yeah, so what we're referring to it as the digitization of real estate. So it's you have access to real estate, but it's not necessarily something that you um, have a fixed square footage office for. It's you, employees have the ability to access a number of different offices around a city or a country or the world or, or what have you. I think it is definitely in its infancy. It's new, so um, so in many ways it's challenging to kind of conceptualise. There's obviously, you know, where, where does the – where does – if you're a business that wants to implement this, whose decision is it? Is it the head of real estate? Is it the CFO? Is it HR? Is it is it treated as an employee benefit, like a gym membership, or mm-hmm. is it treated as a real estate decision? So I think that's something that businesses are really trying to wrap their head around. I think, as we touched on earlier, real estate decision-making processes and talent decision-making processes, I think, are merging or they're working much more closely together. So we're seeing businesses adopt this. I think it's about a 20% month-on-month increase of the sales that they're doing. But I think it's, yeah, genuinely, genuinely in its infancy. And, and I think it for, for multiple reasons. Um, the first is it's an amazing use case for trial and error. Yeah. Um, you can test a huge number of employees very quickly. Who's going to the space? Who likes it? What are they like? Um, where are they going, what's their transit time, how much are they using it, what's their productivity based on their usage. So there's just an amazing ability to be able to gather that information in, an, in very quickly and very economically, which hasn't really been available before. And the second thing is that, is that it, it, it can convert into office space really simply as well. So whatever data that you gather from your employees, you can then implement and you can say, you know what, based on the information that we received over the last three, six, nine, 12 months, what have you, we can make a really informed real estate decision off the back of that. Both um, so that decision might be where the office is located, how much space is needed, so who's going to be going in there, how frequently are those employees going to be going in there, and what do they want within the space. So that ability to kind of learn on the fly is incredible. And, it, you know, from where we stand, that just hasn't been available before. If you were going to go and design a new headquarters for a thousand employees, three hundred employees, what have you, you have to do that within a long-term lease, um, which is quite restrictive. So I think it's got a huge amount of growth to go. I think the interesting thing, which is going to constantly evolve, is where businesses land on the spectrum of a hundred percent of the employees in the office versus a hundred percent of employees remote. Where do they land on that? spectrum but the ability to kind of move in one way or another is enabled by this product like all access or the digitization of real estate as we're calling it that's great no i i I think i've heard the digitization term um circling around the we work circles for a little while and i Mm. i think that's incredibly spot on and i think the future of our flexible workspace industry will probably be at the forefront of understanding data and information and using such data and information to be more strategic with more long-term decisions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not on-demand is just one suite of like the WeWork product spectrum. You know, are your, are your enterprise clients coming to you and your team for certain specific requests that you're seeing more often than not? You know, is it Hey, I need a I need a large floor in downtown LA for two years to house a certain team, or is it, you know, I actually need like an actual headquarters space 
Uh, we let our lease run out during COVID. You know, we need to find a new home. We're not quite sure what the future looks like yet. You know, are you, are you seeing anything that's like very that's very similar day to day with your enterprise clients and, and what they're asking for? Or, or are you sort of selling the whole suite of products, I guess, across the platform right now? Yeah, I think that the things that are similar are we're still doing a large number of large scale short-term flexible transactions. So we're talking, you know, 20,000 square feet, 50,000 square feet, 7,500, what have you. The volume of those transactions has picked up astronomically. I was absolutely blown away in Q2 by just the sheer volume of those types of transactions that we were doing all over the world. And it wasn't one industry or, um, or city that was really transacting in that way. It was hyper-growth startups. It was fashion it was fintech it was everything you can you can really imagine that has just accelerated i think historically a lot of companies weren't aware that we could do transactions of that scale they thought that once you got to you know 10 15 20 30,000 square feet you had to sign a direct lease and that's just not the case so that that has only accelerated what's slightly different this year is that we're seeing businesses do multi multi market cities at once? So they'll say we have a we'll have a strategy for the US and the, and the US will be we'll have an East Coast hub and a West Coast hub. We actually want to design and and build and and sign an agreement over two of those locations at once. So one in New York, one in the Bay Area. So that was not something that we'd see historically. Most businesses would negotiate one city at one time. Mm-hmm. Based on a lease expiration or something like that, I think um, businesses that have grown a lot or have a large workforce that haven't been in an office are making national decisions once. That's interesting. They're looking at okay, we want to grow in we want to grow in five markets or two markets or what have you. We want to set these hubs up at once. We want to release the real estate strategy to all of the employees at once. And then I think um, the third thing you mentioned, which is the ability to have um, all access or the employees having you know, accessing any work, which is certainly accelerating. And then I guess the last thing is the combination of the two, which is let's have a dedicated office for, you know, that can fit 50 employees at once, but that's, let's make that available to 150 employees. Right. So that at any point in time, we're only going to have 50 in there, but we want to make that dedicated office available to a large number of, of people. And that office that they do take is not designed for heads down work. It is designed purely for collaborative, collaborative work and client engagement. You know, exec briefing centers and those types of things. I mean, talk about a quick way to save some money, right? I mean, that's that's an initial square foot consumption. That's probably a third of what their traditional real estate spend would look like right off the bat. So that that has to yeah. be a home, that has to be a home run for most most eyes on those types of transactions internally. I think that I think the home run comes in the fact that if it doesn't work, they can pivot. If it's too much space, they can reduce it. If it's not enough, they can grow. If the cities that they that they chose were not right or the locations weren't right, they can move. Right. Uh, and so the last thing that we've really tried to evolve over the last little while is the ability that we call it portability, but the ability to be able to transfer outstanding obligations from one asset to another, you know, mid-contract. Because we recognise that it is it is something that businesses are going to need. No one's going to be able to, you know, you can't expect a business to make 100% accurate decisions that's going to last for three years. Today, any decision will have nuances that will need to be corrected, and we will we want to allow businesses to be able to do that. So that's something that we've really um, 
we are allowing companies to do. Yeah, I mean, cl- clearly a landlord doesn't have that luxury. You know, if you're stuck in a sublease, you don't quite have that luxury either. I think, yeah. um, I think with the ebbs and flows of the world right now, ultimately flexibility, given you know its buzzword potential <laughs> these days, yeah. t- t- tends to fall into almost every bucket that every sort of real estate executive has their eyes on, be it, you know, spend, be it usage, be it data, you know, whatever it may be, the flexibility around providing solutions is clearly the way of the future. And I, you know, I, I think we at Colliers are incredibly bullish on the future of the flexible workspace, not only as an ad hoc solution, but as a strategic real estate movement. And we think that mm. the solution around flex can solve many different needs. And I'm just kind of curious, where do you see flex in call it two, three years? You know, our our world is convoluted. It can be complex. It can be hard to digest. Um, it's clearly ever changing and used differently. But you know, where where do you think where do you think this you know where do you think this this the spectrum goes. Where do we go from here? Yeah, I think that there's a few stats that I think will will help indicate where we think the industry is going. So um, in Q2 alone, these are just the figures that I have. WeWork did about 37% of the uh, of all leasing transactions in London with about 1% market share in Q2. In New York, it was about 24% of all leasing transactions with 1% market share. And Miami, it was about 21% of all leasing transactions with about 1% market share. That's just WeWork alone. Wow. Um, so so obviously we can see that the, the demand side of things is really searching for more flexible providers. So I think a few things are going to happen. I think um, there's going to be the likes of WeWork and others are probably going to grow. They're probably going to be able to grow in ways that they may not have been able to before um, with the likes of management agreements and those types of things. So I think that the amount of space that will be managed by flexible providers will continue to grow because the demand is obviously there. And I think the ways in which um, businesses are transacting are going to evolve. We talked about it years ago where businesses would potentially have 10, 20, 30% of their portfolio in flexible real estate. I think that that's going to come to fruition. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I think the easiest way to look at it is how much space was underutilised over over the last two years in any client's portfolio, that number would have been drastically higher than 30%. And the shift has changed where I think any C-suite executive would, one, be able to look at their cost of their real estate and say the most expensive real estate is the space that's not being used at all. That's right. Um, so that's a change. And then and then combine that with the fact that we've got a workforce that is absolutely involved, evolving, their needs are evolving, the way that we can try and test what the best solution is for those needs is utilizing real estate. I think the demand is really going to um, only get, continue. Yeah. I mean, we listen, we echo all the same sentiments. We're bullish on the sector. Clearly, given how busy everybody in this sector is and the support with which we're receiving from um, senior leadership across the board, we, uh, we've invested heavily here at Colliers on the tech side of the business to support our flex needs and our flex strategy conversations. So, um, listen, Mike, we can't thank you enough. You are a very respected individual um, in the flex world, and we look forward to hearing and seeing so much more of WeWork success. Thanks very much. 
Will, thanks so much. Uh, good luck to everyone finishing out the year. Wish you all the best. Thanks, mate. Thank you for listening. Share your thoughts about this episode, or if you have any ideas for future episode topics, please email us at flex at colliers.com. You can find our latest publications, articles, and other materials on colliers.com. That's colliers.com. And stay tuned for our next discussion in our series, which includes Ryan Simonetti of Convene, speaking with Collier's Head of Flexible Workspace Consulting, APAC, Jonathan Wright.